Hello and welcome to On Air with Myrick O'Connell. I'm Howard Kaplan. This On Air podcast features attorneys from Myrick O'Connell, a full-service law firm with offices in Worcester, Westboro, and Boston. Today's topic, litigating personal injury cases in a difficult era for personal injury jury trials, it seems. Our guest today is Myrick O'Connell attorney Tom Flaws, a member of the firm's personal injury litigation group. His focus is on helping people and families who have suffered life-altering injuries. Tom, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you, Howard. Great talking to you. Sure. And uh, this is an important topic, I think, for everybody. And the first question I would have for you is, do you find there is an anti-plaintiff bias among the general public right now? I do. You know, when you talk to a person and they ask you what you do for work and you tell them that you're a lawyer, you know, you, you get a little bit of an eye roll at, at that point. Um, and then when you go a bit further and say, well, I'm a personal injury lawyer, you know, then I think folks want to, you know, grab their wallet and run the other way. Generally, people don't dislike me until they get to know me. Um, <laughs> but But in that situation, you know, people are very skeptical right away. You know, I can't tell you even the number of clients that I've had who feel like they need to preface their story to me with, I've never sued anybody before. This isn't what I do. I don't sue people. And you get a real sense that these are folks who probably before they were seriously injured themselves supported tort reform and were, were against personal injury. Um, personal injury lawsuits. And, you know, they have a bit different take when it's, uh, when it's something that, that happens to themselves. And something on that subject that I've always found kind of fascinating is if you ask somebody, do you support the, the right of an injured person to sue for money or to get compensation for their injuries? Most people say no. It's just or a large segment of people say no. Then you might describe to that same person a particular case. You say, well, what about this guy who was on a construction site and uh, the general contractor built the scaffolding and they didn't do it right. And an employee of the subcontractor went up 30 feet and the scaffolding failed and he fell and got seriously hurt. Do you support the right of that person to sue? Well, yeah, I do in that case. And, you know, so on a bigger level, no, but I think once people hear about a certain case, they, they often do. And, and it's just, it's kind of a, a, a fascinating thing to me. The only thing I can really liken it to is, you know, 10 or 12 years ago uh, when Obamacare came into law and you would see, this isn't a, a, a comment on politics, it's just about polling. You know, you would see polls, you know, do you support Obamacare back 10 years ago? And a majority of people would say no. But then they would ask people specific parts of Obamacare. Do you support coverage for pre-existing conditions? Yes. And then they'd break down the different parts and it was yes, yes, yes. But something about the law itself was no. Similar kind of thing um, with respect to personal injury claims and lawsuits. So where do you think this subjective bias comes from? I can point to two places. Howard. And, and one is 20 or 25 years ago, Carl Rove did a really good job in 
getting a message out there that plaintiff's lawyers, trial lawyers, injury victims were just a danger to everyone in the community. And a danger because when your car insurance rates go up, blame the lawyers. You know, you, it's expensive to go to the doctor, blame the lawyers. And that became a real kind of rallying cry. They were able to really, you know, give a, a kind of a bad name to the, um, to, to the profession on a very large scale. Um, so that's one. And the other one is, I think people heard through the media certain parts of certain cases. We're 26 years now past the McDonald's hot coffee case. I think everybody knows what it is. And, you know, you'd see on the news that woman orders hot coffee, hot coffee spills, woman sues McDonald's and wins for her hot coffee being hot. You go, well, that's, that's terrible. How could that ever happen? See, see these, these lawsuits are going to bury us all. But then you hear the actual story about it and you say, well, McDonald's had 700 complaints over the course of a year about the temperature of their coffee. They serve coffee at 190 degrees. That burns you in a couple seconds. At 170 degrees, you got 15 or 20 seconds before you're gonna get burned. They knew that it was at a temperature which would cause these horrific burns and, and they didn't do anything about it. So you get a media report that tells you something, you hear the rest of the story and it's, it's something else. And I think there were just a few cases, that one being the biggest, that that got people's attention in a negative way. Now, how does this bias affect your work? Um, a couple of ways. The the biggest concern is at a jury trial level. You, you think about a, a jury trial in general, and you basically, depending on the kind of case, you have four real types of parties, right? In a criminal case, you have the state and you have the criminal defendant. In a civil trial, you have the plaintiff and you have the defendant. Well, of those four groups of people, there's only one, the civil plaintiff, where it's proven that a significant percentage of jurors have made up their minds as to what way they're going to go on that case before they hear the first fact of the case. They have just determined that this is going to be a defense verdict because I am never going to give a plaintiff money for their injuries. The state in a criminal case, doesn't deal with that. Criminal defendant doesn't deal with that. And a defendant in a civil case, obviously, doesn't deal with it either. And, you know, so that's at the trial level, but that trickles down because you mediate a case, you work on resolving a case, and the defendants often know that we're going to get a pretty favorable jury pool here in, in Massachusetts or really anywhere else in, in the country. And, uh, you know, we're going to have a decent shot at getting a good result for us at trial, even if the facts of the case don't dictate that we should. It's unfortunate, but it does affect things at a lot of levels. So how do you deal with it? A couple ways that, that I think are, are really ways that, that I try to combat uh, the, the bias. And, and one is through uh, jury selection. And you just you spend most of your time in jury selection trying to just weed out the people that are never going to give you a fair shake. I mean, I'm not looking for people that are going to give me twice what the case is worth. I just want to weed out the people that are never going to give me a chance. No matter what the judge tells them and what the facts tell them, they're never going to give me a chance. So jury selection is, is a big way. And, and I think in terms of the way you frame your case, uh, I think there's a lot there that, 
you can do. And the biggest thing that I like to do is, is just hit it head on. What I mean by that is that there was a book a number of years ago by a guy named Rick Friedman called Polarizing the Case. A terrific book for uh, any plaintiff's lawyer should, should read the book. And what it really says is when a defense lawyer says your client is malingering, they're really saying your client's faking it. Now they're, what they're really doing is they're calling your client a liar. So what you have to do is you have to hit that head on. And you say, if you believe that my client is malingering, if you believe they're faking it, send them out without any money. We should lose. If that's what you believe, we should lose. But if you don't believe they're faking it, if you don't believe they're a liar, then you shouldn't really believe another thing the defendants say. Because, because they've called a seriously injured person a liar just so they can prevail at trial. And so it's really taking that malingering myth and just hitting it head on. Uh, another way to do it is through the tort reform mindset. What it really says to people is that tort lawyers, tort plaintiffs are a danger to them. They make your insurance rates go up. They make your doctors, um, you know, your cost to go to the doctor, they make that go up. And people almost feel like a plaintiff's verdict is a verdict against their own interest because it's going to make things like insurance rates go up. And I think what you have to point out to folks is that's a financial issue on that one side. But what about never holding unsafe drivers responsible? What about allowing a horribly dangerous construction site to, to exist when they know that there's never going to be any repercussions for it? Uh, what about allowing products that could injure or kill your children to, to just be out there in the world and never find against these companies who will just continue to make dangerous products? So there's a real danger to the, to, to the community in... Um, buying into this myth and, and never giving plaintiffs any money when, they, when they're entitled to it. Where do you think this bias is worse than others in, in terms of uh, areas of the country, uh, among uh, types of folks? You know, Howard, that's a tricky one. It really is because a lot of people will tell you that your jury verdicts are about as bad for plaintiffs in like Massachusetts and New Hampshire as they are anywhere in the country. Now, you would typically think when you think about tort reform and that mindset that a, a red state is where you don't want to be because there, there are more people with that mindset there. But it's proven that that's not really the case. Very, very interesting thing. A couple of years ago, I was admitted for, for one case to work in Virginia. And I quickly found out that Virginia is a really bad place for a plaintiff's case. West Virginia, which you would think would be just the opposite, is people often say it is the best state in the country to bring a plaintiff's case. Jury verdicts in West Virginia are more than they are uh, almost anywhere else, which I don't know how much the, an issue like that's been studied. It's something that on the surface just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but it's the truth. So has anything been done on the legislative level about this bias, this tendency uh, against plaintiffs bringing suit? It has. One thing that uh, was a real problem in Massachusetts, almost every state in the country has a pretty extensive form of voir dire. 
and first. But the non-lawyers, what what voir dire is 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 the lawyer's ability to question jurors and get their thoughts about different types of cases and and different facts and whether essentially whether a jury can be fair. Well, until about five years ago, we didn't have voir dire in Massachusetts. We had a few stock questions that judges would ask the jury, and you know, like, can you be fair? Well. What person says, no, I can't be fair. Everybody says they can be fair, but you really have to drill down with, with voir dire to, to figure that out. So five plus years ago, we had a situation where you had a huge percentage of jurors that were biased against you, and you couldn't ask them any questions to figure out which ones they were. So it, it was a real problem. But uh, at the end of his term, Governor Patrick signed a couple of things uh, into law, and one of them is, is voir dire, which we have to a certain extent in Massachusetts. Some states, it's almost unlimited here. It's very limited, but we have it. Um, and that's been a big help. And another one is that in, a, in an injury case, you can now suggest an amount of money to a jury that you think they should uh, allow the client to, to recover. And before you couldn't do that. So these jurors who've never been involved in any litigation in their lives were being forced to just guess about what a reasonable amount was for a case. And I think you saw some people would say unreasonable numbers on both ends of the spectrum, you know, too high and too low because jurors just don't have that, that experience in terms of what's a reasonable amount. But being able to say to a, a jury now, you know, I think a certain amount is, is a reasonable amount um, to allow a plaintiff to recover, that, that's been a big help. I would imagine, Tom, that when you first sit down with a potential litigant, you maybe not talk directly about this bias, but just as you're explaining what might happen during the whole process, allude to this? Or how do you deal with it with your clients, if at all? Well, I think it's you always have to explain to a client who's making a decision about whether they're going to have a trial or settle the case, that there's there's some real unpredictability. If, if you go to trial and folks say to me a lot, well, I, I think I think we should win. And I say, I, I agree with you. I think we should win, too. But I can't promise that we will, because it's just an issue that that needs to be discussed with with people that, you know, if there's a uh, an offer to resolve a case and there's a certain amount of money that you have to risk to go to trial, are you willing to do that? You know, and, and I certainly give them my thoughts, and I think I'm pretty aggressive in, t- in terms of telling them to keep going forward and keep going. And if you're okay with it, you know, let's go to trial because I, I like to have a trial if we can. I think trying more cases is, is a good thing, but I need to make everybody aware of, of the risks that they run in doing it. We're talking with Myrick O'Connell attorney Tom Flaws on an anti-plaintive bias in terms of folks bringing lawsuits for injuries. Tom works in the personal injury group at Myrick O'Connell. Tom, how can folks get in touch with you if they have questions or concerns? They can call or email me anytime. I recommend our website. Uh, We have a separate website at the firm for the personal injury group. It's injury.myrickoconnell.com. You can learn a lot about our injury group at the firm, learn some more about me, learn about Ted Bassett, who has been with the personal injury group here for a long time and has had a, a lot of big cases and a lot of successes in his career. So go to that site and, and check us out. And if you have any, any question, I welcome a call or an email at any time to discuss it. Definitely a fascinating issue. I'm really glad you thought of this topic for this edition of On Air with Myrick O'Connell. Really something to think about. 
On behalf of Myrick O'Connell attorney Tom Flaws, I'm Howard Kaplan. Take care and stay safe. This podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Myrick O'Connell. It is intended to inform you of developments in the law and to provide information of general interest. It is not intended to constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. This podcast may be considered advertising under the rules of the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court. <music> <laughs>